Welcome to AI Marketing, a podcast for sales and marketing professionals that want to increase their sales, leads, and conversions through the use of artificial intelligence solutions. And now, here's your host, Mark Fridelman. Today, we're going to talk about AI and machine learning in marketing. And also, we're going to tell you who Bert, Elmo, and Grover are in the natural language generation space. And they're not Sesame Street characters. At least I don't think they are. So let's jump right in today. My guest is Chris Penn. He's from TrustInsights.ai. Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump in so people get an idea of who you are and where you come from. Sure. Uh, I am the uh, co-founder and chief data scientist at Trust Insights, data science consulting firm for marketers. And I got here through a long progression. I used to be an IT person and uh, that career, you know, became very utilitarian and now is all in the cloud, which is really just somebody else's computer, but it sounds cooler if you say cloud. And, um, Around the, the mid at, to the end of the last decade, I pivoted into analytics and analytics became data science, data science became machine learning, and here we are today. And so a lot of my work uh, focuses on the practical implementation and use of machine learning, uh, mostly traditional machine learning as opposed to like deep learning for marketers to do things like better attribution analysis and figuring out uh, customer journey maps, things like that. Okay, wonderful. I can't wait to dive in on that because that's obviously something I've done over and over and again, and I love to hear what your approach is. But first, we, I got to get this off my chest. What the heck are you talking about when you talk about Bert, Elmo, and Grover? I mean, I've got kids, and uh, to me, they're Sesame Street characters. So did somebody from Sesame Street invent this new natural language generator or no uh nobody nobody from sesame street uh named it however the engineers at these various ai companies uh sort of made a play on on it initially through um you know various acronyms but then it became sort of the the standard elmo came first elmo was embeddings from Embeddings from language models. Bert became bidirectional encoder of representations from transformers, and I can't remember what Grover stands for. But well, these, something tells me these aren't for kids, though. I, I, I'm just, oh no, uh, no. These uh, unless you well, unless your kids are adult children with PhDs, uh, <laughs> which is probably who we're dealing with here. I guess. Right, because these very are very smart adult children. Exactly. These are technologies, methods of doing natural language generation uh, using some of the most advanced deep learning uh, capabilities. And what they do essentially is they help data scientists and AI practitioners generate language. So we've had for oh, you know decades and decades various technologies with varying degrees of success in recognition of language called natural language processing. Every time you talk to Siri or uh, the uh, Amazon device in your house or the Google Home, it's doing natural language processing. It can understand what you're saying to some degree and do something with it. Natural language generation is exactly what it sounds like, where you ask a computer, write me something new, write me some new tweets, write me a blog post, write me a book, and 
what these technologies do is they're fed enormous amounts of uh, training data, existing known good writing, like all the Harry Potter novels. And then the computer is instructed, okay, now you know the training data, go write something new, create something brand new. And the machines will attempt to do that. And over time, they get tuned and tuned and get better and better uh, until they get to a point where they can do a really good job of creating and imitating text. So real quick example, I was working in uh, one of these uh, platforms called GPT-2 from OpenAI, and I gave it 2,000 tweets from a well-known politician with a particular style of tweeting. And... (laughs) Not going to get political at all, um, but I gave it. I gave it this to uh, GPT two, and I said, "Okay, learn from this." And now I'm going to give you a starter topic. You write some new tweets, and it wrote a couple thousand tweets based on the theme I told it to write on, and it was really good. It matched this individual syntax, the type of phrases they would use, the sentence structure. The one giveaway that it was machine generated is that like something like 96% of the tweets it produced were actual complete sentences. Whereas the person in question produces word salad an awful lot. And so um, how many of those were insults? Uh, about a third, you know, so-and-so is this, you know, crazy nicknames, calling things fake news. Right. Exactly right. what was in the training library is what came out in production. And I, I, I think the starter topic I gave it was that this country is declaring war on the principality of, of Wakanda from, you know, from uh, the movie Black Panther. And right. it was pretty good. So that's what this is. And this is a really important thing for marketers to keep their eyes on because the text that these machines are generating is credible. It is understandable and readable to a human. It makes sense. And as they get better and better and better, you're going to be able to create content that's net new at scales you can't imagine i mean think about if you're a marketer particularly if you're in content marketing how long it takes you to get a company blog post written right i used to work in a pr agency and uh we had a team of 10 people and it still took people like two weeks to write a 600 word blog post easily Uh, easily have editors as well Uh uh-huh now you push the button, you wait a couple hours for GPT-2 to ingest the topics and do some tuning on it, and you spit out 2,000 or 20,000 or 20 million blog posts that are good enough, certainly better than what you made the intern, right, that have some level of coherence and that will get you the SEO juice that you're looking for. The companies that embrace this technology, get aboard early, and get deploying early will have a commanding advantage over companies that don't because they'll simply be able to, to you know, carpet bomb search engines with their content. So if I were to feed it some New York Times writers and some, you know, maybe some TechCrunch writers, could it put together a plausible 
news story about a subject I gave it. Is that is that possible today? And, and if not, when would it be possible? It is possible today. It may not be factually correct because the <laughs> software does not understand well, facts. How much of it? How much of the news is factual anymore anyway? Yeah, see, there, there you go. Um, <laughs> but if you were to feed like op-ed columns in, you could roll with that today because again, that's still opinion. Even if the opinion yeah. is correct, it is not something that you know, you're necessarily going to be judged on. So if you were to feed in like a whole bunch of Ziff Davis and, you know, we used to call them in PR, the weeks in the world, network week, e-week, you know, network world, all that stuff you could generate net new op-eds very, very quickly. How soon are we to that promise? Is it now? Is it a few years from now? What it's now It's now in, in experimental phase. In production, six to 12 months, there's a couple of companies that I advise, one of which is very, very close to producing extremely good uh, B2B-focused like white papers and things automatically. Yeah. Okay, so if we're six to nine months away from something credible, and, and you know, I look at credibility as, okay, it gave me, it got me seventy percent there. Let's have an editor or a writer kind of finish it all up, clean it up, as long as it's in their voice or somebody's voice that they can edit. I mean, that's incredibly powerful. It's going to mean two things: one, <laughs> there's going to be a hell of a lot more content that's out there; two, it's going to make the jobs of marketers a lot easier. Uh, would you agree with that? I absolutely would agree with that. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at Content Marketing World not too in a few months, and one of the things that that organization does is they do these regular Twitter chats. And so, for fun, I fed them all. I fed GPT two all of the previous questions from all of their previous Twitter chats and said, "Write me some new ones." And it came up with some decently good questions. So I, I threw that over the fence and said, "Okay, your next." chat, you should use these AI-generated questions and see what answers you get out of people. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and what was the result? Oh, they haven't done it yet, but uh, if they oh, don't they before yet. then, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know what I've seen a couple of years ago, I was covering this. Uh, there are bots that are taking financial data and they're creating these mini articles automatically without human intervention. And the humans trust it because they fit it within a certain template and, and it's taking raw feeds, interpreting them and putting together a paragraph. I think that's being done at scale now. What I haven't seen is a credible press release or a blog post or something that's completely written by AI. I, I, I would think we're years away from that, but you're telling me maybe six to nine months, we'll get something pretty close. Yeah, we're, we're months, if not if there aren't already folks doing private betas, because natural language generation has really taken some amazing leaps forward in the last 12 months. It has been, people call it the ImageNet moment based on you know what ImageNet was a few years ago and, and AI's ability to suddenly understand what it's looking at in a picture. Now with so much more uh, GPU hardware out there with so much more compute power with these new architectures that people are coming up with. The, the, it, we're not far at all. We're not far at all from being able to do this at scale. And 
some of this stuff is stuff that you can try even on your laptop or in a in a cloud computing environment. If you use, for example, like Google's Colab or you know any of these these other services that have virtual GPUs, you can try this on your own. Like the GPT two stuff I'm working on, I'm doing in Google Colab, and the, the I got a bill from Google last month for the compute time that I use. You want to guess how much it cost me to generate twenty thousand articles? I'm going to say it's pretty low, maybe a thousand bucks. <laughs> you're 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 off a little. Uh, the bill I got from Google was for forty four cents. Forty four cents. Mm hmm. That's I was able to pay the bill with the spare change littering the floor underneath my desk. Wow. How is that possible? Because these large companies, Google, Amazon, IBM, Microsoft, they all have massive computing architectures and they're basically, you know, they're renting you time on their on machines that otherwise are pretty much going unused, right? They they have all this massive capacity and so they can sell it to you for super cheap. So what do you think going forward should marketers look out for in regards to you know this. Uh, do you shorten it to NLG uh, yes. as an acronym? Okay. Yes. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think they should look out for? Uh, any roadblocks or anything that uh, you're wor a little worried about? You know, one of the the most common questions on this whole topic is, "Oh, great, I'm going to lose my job to a machine." And I thought the the Brookings Institute had a really good paper recently on the impact of AI on the workforce. And there was one quote in there that I thought was really insightful. AI doesn't take jobs. AI takes tasks. If your job is one task only, then yeah, you could you lose your job, right? But if your job is composed of multiple overlapping, unpredictable, heterogeneous tasks, you're going to lose some of them to AI, and you probably want to, right? If you if you hate writing and you and you're bad at it. You want the AI writing your blog posts, right? You don't want your word salad being put up on the company blog. And so things to look out for are, you know, who out there in the vendor space is creating credible, very good tools for marketers to use that will take on some of those tasks that you just don't want to do anymore. Okay, wonderful. I mean, are you, are you saying that the tasks that people are doing like research maybe or you know with blogs it's it's writing a single topic blog those people should be a little bit worried and maybe move up a notch to something that's even more high value that only a human can do is that is that kind of your recommendation absolutely and that's true even if there was an ai because you know we've we've spent what 50 years doing outsourcing where you outsource to a human that's cheaper somewhere else it's nothing new it's just that instead of outsourcing to a lower paid human you're now outsourcing to a machine it's the same exact thing if you want to protect uh, your job your income your company you find ways to add value in that go beyond the task or that uh, instead of you doing the task, now you supervise the task. Instead of being the first violin, now you're the conductor of the orchestra and you let the machines do their thing. That's where 
people will continue to add value, especially since a lot of our value in marketing is subjective, right? There's, I use this great tool called Ava that generates music, uh, completely AI generated music. And I use it because it's totally royalty free and I will never, ever, ever see a notice from a lawyer saying, hey, you're, you're <laughs> using somebody else's music. We're going to sue you for $60,000. But there's a tremendous amount of subjectivity. I'll listen to like 20 sample compositions that's put together and like two of them will be what I personally want to use. And the other 18 to be like, well, that would be great if, you know, I was working for like, I don't know, Taylor Swift, but it's not my style. Mm. Okay. So you're in front of a bunch of marketers. You're talking about the future of NLG. What are you recommending that they do today? And then a year from now to prepare for, for what's coming? Today, everybody should be building knowledge catalogs. And that is like, what are your best blog posts? What are your best ebooks, white papers, whatever? What content have you created that represents the best of what your company has done so that when the technology becomes available to you, you can train it very, very quickly on your style. And so get the machine to, to do your writing in, in specific use cases. That's today. Make sure that you have those catalogs. Um, the other thing is that today, every marketer should be looking at what, what am I doing to gather information from the customer, whether they're, they're a current customer or they're a prospective customer. What am I doing to get more knowledge about what the customer wants, what the customer is saying. How do I get that data? How do I make it accessible? Because you're going to use more traditional machine learning to analyze it, to understand this is what the customer wants. Now let's go and build for what the customer's needs are. I was doing a project um, last summer for a food and beverage company. They had a CRM with something like 50,000 emails a day coming into this from various different, you know, departments. And they said, hey, you know, we make this particular product that stabilizes a certain type of beverage. What? are our customers asking us about? So we did the mining, did some old-fashioned natural language processing and found that, you know, they were being asked about oat milk and hemp milk, two things that I knew nothing about because I don't consume either one. But they didn't have a product ready for these uh, applications. And they're like, we need to create one because this is like a $2 billion market. And so... By listening, by processing, by getting close to the customer, really, for, for real, not just lip service, but actually getting close to the customer and what they're saying, um, we're able to create value. And that's what marketers should be doing is get, now that you have tools that can process the data, get the data from the customer and start analyzing and start listening and creating things that the customer's going to buy. Well, that's interesting. I mean, so, you know, we do a voice to the customer all the time. What you're saying is you can gather a bunch of information, maybe watch and observe or listen to what the customer's saying, and then the AI somehow is smart enough to create content that talks about their pain points and provides benefits. Is that what you're saying that we've gotten to? You can create content about it, or you could take the actual product marketing approach and like, what does a customer actually want? And can we, do we have a product offering for that? Can we build a product offering for that? And I'm glad you said voice of the customer, because that's something that's really, to me, very important that, again, 
because of time and uh, scale and limitations, voice of the customer has been something that marketers have given a lot of lip service to, but it is more important than ever. You know, voice of the customer is something like uh, 12 or 13 different channels. There's you know, advertising and marketing reactions, market research, social conversations, product reviews, focus groups, sales interactions, customer service, phone calls, metadata, surveys. All of that is data that today's marketer needs to have on hand, ready to go, so that they can process it, extract insights from it, and then, yes, create content, but also create products or put out fires, work with your PR team like, hey, we know this is going to be a problem at some point. Get in front of it. So there's a lot of opportunity. Okay. I mean, to me, uh, this is pretty remarkable that we're heading that direction and uh, gives me a lot of hope because it's, it can be extremely difficult to kind of parse that information from our customers, or especially if you're entering a new market, you know, what should we be talking about? What should we be doing? This is pretty incredible stuff going forward. So I'm, I'm just going to summarize what I've heard, because this is all new to me. I'm not, I haven't been involved in NLG. I didn't even know who the Sesame Street characters were that you were talking about. And somebody clever turned them into acronyms. Uh, it's, it's just uh, unfathomable that uh, they spent the time doing it, but hey, maybe they had the assistance of AI. So you've got natural language generation that's going to start writing blog posts, credible blog posts in six to nine months. Then you've got AI that's going to be listening to your customers, listening to you and creating content or helping you create content as a result of that, that will help sell your, your customers or at least market them, provide some awareness of what you do. So it's, it looks like a, a, a pretty much a brave new world, at least in terms of talking to customers and, and creating content for customers and having the AI assist you and in, in, in sometimes even just create it on the, on the fly for you uh, in just under a year. Is, is that, am I characterizing that correctly? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, again, many of these technologies are in usable form right now. They, they still need data scientists and developers and marketing technologists to do the integration, which is why, you know, it's not, it's not easy. There's no, there's no slide your credit card and, and get the thing now. There's still a lot of work to integrate it. But for those companies that are truly progressive and truly pushing the cutting edge, these technologies are available and working today. That's remarkable. So let's wrap things up. Uh, really blown away by you know, what you've told us and, and what the future is. It's pretty exciting. Uh, it makes me want to have to go out and uh, start rethinking my approach to, to AI to include NLG. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. You've opened up a whole new channel for me. So before we leave, I always ask this question, what is your favorite chatbot, AI voice app, or, or AI solution? My favorite solution is the ones that I make because uh, <laughs> they pay the bills. Well, let's say this. What I'm working on right now is using uh, Markov uh, mathematics to do customer journey mapping. And wow. the What's reason- Markov mathematics, by the way? So Markov chains or Markov mathematics are ways to to take sequences of data and assemble them to understand the importance of something. So think about 
a conversion, right? How many steps does it take for a conversion? Sometimes it's a real short, right? Like, you know, the, the conversion path for a three-year-old at the grocery store checkout next to the candy rack is real short. Grab, hand yeah. to mom, right? But the conversion pathway for a 33-year-old billionaire to buy a Gulfstream jet is considerable. So you and I have this data available to us. Many of us use Google Analytics and the raw data is captured in there about the ways that people got to our website and then either did or did not convert. And we can't really process the data in the application because it's not built to do that. There's, there's some attribution modeling, but it's pretty primitive um, because it's computationally very expensive to do it in a more advanced way. What I'm working on and what I've built is a tool that you plug into the Google Analytics data and says, here's the importance of a given channel in terms of whether or not a conversion will happen, right? So organic search my, from my personal website is something like 60% of my conversions have organic search in the conversion path. So if this was Jenga and I pulled out the organic search block, my conversion tower is going to come tumbling down. But... Most attribution okay. models just look at which channels are important. The, the one I'm working on also tells you when in the customer journey something occurs. Does it happen early on? Is it in the middle? Does it happen late in the path to conversion? So for my website, I'm doing my testing on, organic search is, is at the awareness stage of the journey. People become aware of my website and my company er through search. And then things like social and my newsletter happen much later on in the journey. So by being able to sequence this out, I can say, okay, not only do I know what channels, but I know when. And that tells me, uh, you know, for things like Twitter, for example, Twitter is very late in my customer journey, which tells me that my messaging on that channel should not be, hey, get to know me because you already know me. It should be buy my stuff, right? Hire my company to do consulting for you. And so this tool I'm working on to, so to answer those questions, to help people go, okay, now I know what to do. Now I know when to do it. And that's sort of the magic combo. Yeah. Okay. And you had written down uh, before the podcast here, mostvaluablepages.com. Was that something that you wanted to talk about real quick? Oh, I mean, that's, that's another application of this technology. Again, what pages on somebody's website, on your website, do people go to before they convert? So you have yeah. a podcast, right? You have all these podcast episodes. Are there episodes that nudge people to conversion faster? And if there are, wouldn't you like to know so that you could feature them? Like at the bottom, it's like you might also enjoy these three episodes because I know on the back end, these three episodes will get you to sign up for the mailing list or buy the book or whatever, or leave a review on iTunes. If it's measurable, you can track it and then use this tool to, to promote the stuff that gets you business results. Wonderful. Okay. And... I have to do ask this follow-up question because I was thinking the whole time, is this pretty expensive to put together? Uh, you know, the solutions that you were talking about or have, you know, they come down in price like chatbots in order to create it? I write my own code, so it is expensive in time and effort. I use open source mm -hmm. platforms, so it's not a dollar cost. It is a knowledge cost. Um, but if somebody were to hire you? Yes, that would be not inexpensive. All right. Um, Let's wrap things up. I think, you know, based on what I heard, I'd highly recommend that you go download Chris's ebook, AI for Marketers book.com. 
go there. Also, I want you to check out our chatbot on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash fanatics media. And just hit on message us. You'll see our sales and marketing bot that we set up. Uh, and then lastly, I just want to thank Chris for a very enlightening conversation. I had no idea it was going to get this far deep into uh, NLG, which I just learned about today. And uh, so, Chris, we've got to have you back when, you know, it's six months from now when we're seeing these blog posts being written. I just want to hear you kind of explain, you know, where what, what's going to happen next. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.